at the time of the beep, the episode number will be 78. Welcome, listener. You've stumbled onto the downloadable concept podcast. Too hard to be reshaped into a tool, but he can be tossed into a stew with some credits to create elixirs. It's Alan Lee. I've been banned in all Australian Pokemon tournaments. Not as a player, as a Pokemon. He convulses on his own every now and then, which is really creepy, but perhaps he has a use. It's Jeb Wench. I've been banned in all Australian Street Fighter tournaments. <laughs> Not as a player either. <laughs> and worn down and not very sharp, but still pretty hard, I'm Foxley. Who, as it turns out, has been banned in all lacrosse tournaments, and we're not sure why. It's not fair if you use a ball that has legs. <laughs> Hello, the listener. Hello, the listener. Now that we're done with the intro, I'm off to play Breath of the Wild. Bye now. <laughs> hey, Fox, what have you been playing this past week? <laughs> I think I've covered that. <laughs> Spoilers! <laughs> yeah, hi everyone. I came home on Monday and Talon had a quiet breath of the wild for me and just left it sitting on my desk. And I had to work Tuesday. <laughs> What's worse is she had to work from home, so it's just sitting there. It's just sitting there, one room away. Hey, I didn't realize you were a sadist. You got a lunch break, don't you? Hey, buddy. I was going to use it to catch up and sleep, but... but Fox hasn't slept in days. <laughs> <laughs> Little bit. And I had an extra day of work this week, so I'm like, uh, uh, money. But, 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 but. You don't understand. So it's pretty good? Uh, it's a really good game. It's it's a very non-Zelda Zelda, but it's really good. <laughs> I, I understand the appeal of Fox right now, I have to say. <laughs> From what I can observe, this appears to be Far Cry with a fair bit less of the racism, so... Yeah! <laughs> a shit ton less of the ugly, so I am all down with mm. this. And it turns out all all it takes to get me interested in most games that I don't give a shit about is... What? I'm remembering one of the tags that the podcast has, like one of the earliest tags we have. Is it always by the games with the cute boys? Always by the game with the cute boys. Yeah, yeah. By the way, one fucking... the, is it the one that I've been trying to bring back a lot? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very pleased to say that Link is at probably his cutest ever. Um, especially like if you take him into a cold environment and he's all tooth chattering and like, me. <laughs> Uh, if you Actually, put warm clothes on him, he just has it. flushed cheeks instead. <laughs> I I just checked out our topic cloud, and apparently, while we have some things that make sense, like accessibility and bad rats, for some reason we have multiple instances of wolves can't teleport. <laughs> I remember the first one, but I'm wondering yeah. where the second one I don't know where from. the second one came from. <laughs> By the way, you know who can teleport? Wolf Link. Ah, yes! You've been playing with Amiibos. Oh, yes. Which it, I don't think that's a spoiler. Oh, big surprise. The Amiibos do special stuff. Some of it's kind of broken. <laughs> I haven't been using him a lot, though, because as much as I like having Wolf Companion run around with me, he, he's broken. <laughs> he's so broken. Or the, the other series of Amiibos just make, like, treasure chests and shit rain from the sky. Or bits of food. <laughs> it's, uh, it's very non-diegetic, I'm going to say. Um, and there's one that does a really special thing, but I'm not sure I should talk about it, because that actually might be spoilery. 
I don't know. It's very hard to know how much I can actually say about Breath of the Wild. Um, it's it's very just all the other points in the Zeldas where you've like unlocked all the areas and you're just doing the exploration-y stuff and finding all the places where you can blow things up to find treasure and and you know get to different places with hook shots and and all just that super fun faffing about stage of it. It's just a whole game of that. Um, they went straight for the good yeah. part of Zelda. They re- fucking yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, it's incredibly more lethal than a normal Zelda. Like I will die maybe four or five times in the in the course of a Zelda. Just like overall, it's it's, it's kind of hard to get yourself seriously killed unless you have a really annoying combat or something. But holy fucking shit, you're fragile in this, and you can just straight up die from falls now. That that's a very <laughs> different feeling. I'm not used to that in Zelda. The- it's an interesting thing because I remember even when I played Zelda, and I haven't played most of them, but I've played a bit, dying was super rare. And watching you play yeah. Breath of the Wild, dying is common enough that you, you know, I can usually rely if I come in and you're not, you know, literally <laughs> farting around, uh, you will just occasionally go, oh, fuck, and die. I'm not I'm not actually that bad at the game. I'm no, just no. ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> And there's a lot of things that just will kill you the first time you learn about them, like, uh, you know, we- using metal weapons during a thunderstorm. That has consequences. By the way, shout out to Ango Bango Swango here <laughs> for apparently climbing Death Mountain by just eating snails and apples and carrots <laughs> all the way up the side. You fool. How else are you supposed to get up? I'm assuming there's a plot event, so it's not erupting over you at that point. That's, that's um, how you get up Death Mountain. That's always how you get up Death Mountain. <laughs> I assume what he's talking about is actually running out of stamina, not hearts. Because, holy shit, Christ, your stamina yeah. bar is so low! There's, um, the the trials you do, which are sort of the bulk of the dungeons at this point, but they're all, like, little mini puzzle dungeons instead of big long slogs, which is its own thing and quite interesting. Um, and when you finish these, you collect a resource that you can trade in for hearts or stamina, I haven't traded anything for hearts yet. It may be some time before I do. Oh my god, they, they, they recycled the <clears throat> the level up mechanic from Zelda 2. <laughs> Is that how it worked in Zelda 2? Wow. Basically, every time you leveled up, you got to choose whether you wanted more magic, more health, or more defense. Ah. Well, this is definitely less, um... God, I don't even know if there is magic in this game. I certainly haven't found any yet. There's some... There's some weapons you can get that do magicy blasts. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there will be. I have barely scratched the surface of this, I'm sure. I, I have fought one actual boss and a couple of... Yeah, there's, there's fucking world map boss type things everywhere. Like, there's just big giant trolls and, and you know, ancient monsters with laser beams in their faces and and just some rock elemental. You climb to the top of a mountain and you can go, hey, I wonder what's up here. I climbed all this way. I better get something cool. And then a giant rock thing appears and pounds you into dust. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been having a great time. <laughs> they really fucking nailed the cell shading this time around, by the way. The game looks gorgeous. Um, my only complaint is that it's kind of hard to make out Link's, specifically his facial features. But you don't see much of them, so that's not too bad. Yeah, I don't know, it's the first time I've ever felt like maybe my TV is actually too small. What? <laughs> I don't know. It, it's, but you, you know what the next surprise is. <laughs> yes, we shall see. 
<laughs> uh, but yeah, the 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 non Hylian races look really cool. Probably the coolest they've ever looked in any of these games. Um, and I just love how like the scenery quite realistic in general. The characters really cartoony, and I love that. Like they did, they're doing the whole you know open world. We'd really like for people who play things like Dark Souls and Far Cry and all that nonsense to love us again. But they didn't do the hyper-realistic thing, and that makes me so happy. <clears throat> hyper-realistic Zelda would look awful. Yeah. Um, also, I can I, I can probably talk about the very the, the establishing premise of the game, right? All right, the listener. Just so you know, there is a low-caliber spoiler warning in effect. <laughs> if you played the game for more than half an hour, you know everything I'm about to say. Just so you know, the listener. Unless you deliberately avoided all the plot stuff as long as you possibly could. In which case, you probably don't know any of it yet, no matter how long you've played. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Go for it, Fox. So the really interesting thing about this is this is basically a a post-apocalyptic Zelda where you failed to be Ganon the first time. Mm-hmm. So it, like, you, you know, a hundred years ago, you basically lost... And somewhere in the distance, they're like, yeah, Zelda's in the castle fighting Ganon herself. She's been doing this for a hundred years while you were resting. Holy shit. <laughs> All your companions, you got them killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of amazing. <laughs> but it's also got the whole, like, Ganon doesn't give a shit of, about the world outside of the castle at the moment kind of thing. So it's very sort of tranquil and and beautiful beyond that. But then, you know, once a week there's, like, you know, evil devil moon rises and everything gets brought back to life, and yeah, it's, it's nasty shit. But I just love the premise of, like, you know, yeah, you fucked it up once, hero. Do better. <laughs> nice job wrecking it. You're picking up someone else's save. Oh, you didn't specifically wreck it, you just fucked up. It would have been wrecked without you, but you failed to stop it, which is not a thing that Link has to deal with, generally. All right. Anyway, it's great. Get it. I've been playing it on the Wii U, by the way. I do not own a Switch. Um, I have heard bad things about slowdown on the Switch, which super duper sucks. I'd say it's run completely smoothly for me, so take from that what you will. And on a related note to that, another shout out. Um, And if you are the boss of the person I'm about to talk about, don't listen to this. (laughs) I bought this game at our local electronics boutique, which, as I understand it, is a subsidiary of the same company that I think owns GameStop. So effectively, think of this as an Australian GameStop. And I went in, and I was in a hurry, and I wanted to buy the game for Fox. And I was just like, do you have this? Yes, I'll buy that. She said, you know we do price matching. It's like, yeah, you do, but I I have to trust you on this one because I don't have the time to go to, like, Big W and Target and everything. And she's like, yeah, Big W are doing it for $75, so I'll knock 15 bucks off the price. So she effectively extended to me that time, and that was just an amazingly nice gesture for her to do. And I'm not going to tell you which EB employer it was. <laughs> I would say, like, specifically for EB, that's impressive, because they have been dirtbags about they that have, stuff in the past. They have a reputation for being really dirty. In fact, last time when I did go in there trying to price match a game, they said they were the only shop around here that does price matching, which is a lie. A Everybody lie. does price matching. And I don't think they are so naive as to think that that was not the case. Well, I've also noticed... You get a lot more shit from sales attendants about video games than I do. Oh, that's fair, yeah. Hmm. 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 Wonder why that is. Hmm. 
And in fact, the people I don't get shit from are the female sales attendants. How about that? Mm. Oh, and that one guy who looks like a lion. <laughs> He's nice. He's a lovely fellow. He knows I know my shit because before we ever tried to buy anything from him, we just chatted about games for a bit. Yeah, and now he knows you know what you're talking about. Ironically, I'm the one who approached him at one point and said, um, which of these runs on a PS3? <laughs> It's like the the one with the PS3. Very good, Talon. You, you see how the you see how the box is designed. Like, oh, that's that's a really dumb question, isn't it? Yes, it was. Whereas I think the first time I spoke to that bloke, it was like, "Do you have this?" And he's like, "No, nah, you're gonna have to import that." Yeah. <laughs> I see. This is your gaming sphere. Yeah. So respect shop attendants. They're mostly people just doing the damn jobs. <laughs> anyway, so that's the Breath of the Wild segment. Hey, Jeb. Yeah. How have you been? Pretty good. You've been playing video games? I sure have played a whole lot of Torment. <laughs> yes, you have! <laughs> Speak to us of Torment. Speak to us of this experience. Well, uh... uh I played it a lot, and it's, uh... Really, really good. Well, Jesus Christ, is it good. <laughs> the, the writing is impeccable. Uh, the, the characters are just absolutely incredible. Um, I've only had, like... Five combats in all the time I've played it. <laughs> That's a good recommendation. I've had I've had more deaths than I've had combats. <laughs> That's an interesting recommendation. <laughs> oh, I mean, you get better. It's tor- it's a torment game. It's... <laughs> oh, sure, sure, absolutely. <laughs> you gotta die sometimes to get to the labyrinth that exists in your head. Obviously, <laughs> is the um it is the combat. But, like, I mean, this is drawing from the Infinity Engine days where the combat was... Awful. Garbage. Yeah. (laughs) And and by the way, Planescape (laughs) Torment was exceptionally bad compared to the other Infinity Engine games. Really? How how are you worse? Well, for a start, you started at level one and pretty much didn't really get a lot of options after that point. Combat in Planescape Torment was so bad, but I never noticed because I can only remember, like, four times I ever fought anything you could you can go through the game as like a rolling rampaging wall of death but you don't have to and so i didn't <laughs> i just assumed you played it every possible way given how many times you have played planescape torment no no i've, I've only played planescape i only think i can reasonably say i've played through planescape torment like two or three times um but torment has three million words in it it's very <laughs> there's a lot of it to experience it's a lot of games to that game in Numenera, Jeb, how's the combat? Uh, it usually is pretty quick. Um, the, the, the the hit points tend to be pretty low, so you don't have to be in combat very long. And it's a really basic skill skill based system. Uh, it, it works exactly the same as the the way that you use regular skills do. Uh, you choose to attack or use an ability. You get a base mm-hmm. roll. You can apply effort to it by spending your dice pools. And then if you if you expend effort. You get a bonus to your roll, like a bonus chance to hit, mm-hmm. and you also get extra damage. Okay. Up to the maximum amount of effort that you're able to spend, or until your chance to hit becomes 100. When you reach a 100% chance to hit, no matter how much you've effort you've put in, you get your max roll for damage. Huh. So if you kit if you kit a character out for combat, they are going to hit very hard. That sounds pretty cool. It also sounds like they are not trying to do some real-time turn-based garbage. They're just playing it like an RPG. Is that right? It's straight up it's straight up turn-based. Awesome. I I did like the Infinity Engine games. 
but you had to be broken in combat to make the combat enjoyable. You had to be able to treat the D&D encounters of your level like they were jokes in order to have fun with that combat system for me. So the idea that someone's made the combat good and challenging... Really? I wouldn't necessarily call it good. Ah. I wouldn't necessarily call it good. Uh, It's really easy to uh, kit out a companion to be quite the uh, close combat beast. I really wasn't trying. I just oh this this character is the is a the the Numenera version of a fighter class called a glaive. So I gave him a big two handed sword or axe and put everything into his combat his might his might stat and his combat skills. He one shots most things, so I don't have to worry about combat that much. <laughs> <laughs> you you have a thug. <laughs> You have uh, a knuckles. A brute. I have, I have a hero. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would Eritus, say that. Eritus is, Eritus is a is a fantastically wonderful man. He is uh, he's he is the he is a glaive who is a glaive who is as heroic as he believes himself to be. Oh, that's dangerous. Well, you you meet you meet you meet him you meet him uh, by the wreckage of an airship, which he stole the airship because he is a. You ask him, he will tell you he is a fantastic pilot. No, he'd never flown before, but look how far he got. (laughs) (laughs) Bulletproof confidence, then. All right. And uh, you've mentioned to me various little ways in which the characters in the world behave like they belong in the world, Um, particularly an element where you lied to someone and they went and checked. Yep. That is incredible. Went up to the guy I was supposed to distract from doing a thing. I went up to him. I told a lie. I passed my deception check. This is the important thing. I passed the skill check, which means I did deliver to him a believable lie. But he had to go check. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's pretty and cool. He came back and came back and said, "You said this thing, but they said that thing. I'm going to do this third thing." <laughs> so yeah. And the best part about that, my the way that resu- way that like that was part of a, a side quest. Quest complete, <laughs> not quest nice. failed. That's really uh, nice. I have actually, I have actually failed at quests and been very satisfied with how they wrapped up. Hmm. I'm gonna look for my bounty code on this thing. <laughs> I yeah. died. I died doing an early quest, and the resolution to me dying was a satisfying conclusion for me to that quest I failed. <laughs> Considering you have an in-game reason to come back, I really like the idea of using your death as a way to finish a quest. Well, it's it's not even, like like I said, I failed the quest that I died in. I don't want to give too many details because, again, spoilers. But there is a quest that I wound up dying in. I failed the quest. But the progression that resulted for me dying was really interesting. (laughs) Mm, That's cool. Uh, Fail quest with somewhere to go is rare and, and very neat. There's, a, there's an interesting I, um, question with RPGs of designing encounters where you, you can act... When you're dealing with a world and you're dealing with interactions with people rather than necessarily pure combat interactions like you get in like platformers and whatnot, the idea of making failure states a equally interesting option. Right. 
That's all I had on that. That's, I wasn't. I wasn't like about to start speeching. Oh, that makes a lot also, of sense. They're also they're also incomplete. Mm, uh, no, that's less cool. Uh, not not, not uh, sorry, not incomplete. It's not really the right word. But there are completions where you haven't quite done everything, but you've done all you are capable of. Hmm. There are ways to finish quests without finishing the whole quest. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, that's super interesting. Yeah, there are weirdly. quests. There are quests. Of a, oh, gone. There, there are quests that you can complete, not necessarily by doing other quests, but in the course of doing these other quests, you can get other ways to complete other quests. I like this. It, it, it solves one of the big problems you have in a lot of these adventure and RPGs, where everything's all off in their own little boxes. Mm. And again, in Baldur's Gate. One of the one of the times that Baldur's Gate did stuff like this, where if you had certain strongholds, you were given special solutions to other major side quests. That mm-hmm. blew our goddamned minds. Like, what? What do I? How do I solve this quest if I don't have access to the the fortress? Like, oh, there's another thing you can do, and it's like, oh, but I don't have to. I can just go to my fortress and tell my seneschal to go out there and oh, because I because it's because I've got a fortress because I have that kind of oh, that, that makes sense. Oh, it fucking blew our minds. So it's nice that that's being carried on as well. I would also like to to give a little shout out. They they actually went a little bit low key with what with the with the, the blue oyster cult reference. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, obviously like if you're doing a any kind of role playing game, the easiest thing you can do if you want to reference blue oyster cult is to include a reference. Don't fear the reaper, right? Yes, obviously. Yeah. Uh huh. But in torment, I found the veterans of a thousand psychic wars. wonderful and they have a quest Mm. (laughs) I'm just saying they they have a quest yeah oh geez Uh, that's really cool (laughs) though now sorry you've put me onto two separate tangents and I'm going to try and be real quick with them one the opening of Prey a game which has some big fucking problems but the opening of Prey has one of the best uses of Don't Fear the Reaper I've seen in video games where aliens come to abduct you and like suck up your your, you and your partner through the roof of a bar yeah and all the electronic devices start going off and the jukebox starts playing Don't Fear the Reaper while green lights are sucking you up into the sky that's Mm -hmm. cute um but also you you bring up odd references and you know obscure references you know the Sly Cooper games right yeah Right. You know Baba the Elephant? Of course. Right. There is a book criticizing the neocolonialism in Baba the Elephant. Mm-hmm. It's called Freeing the Elephants. Okay. There is a Sly Cooper mission called wow. Freeing the Elephants, which Impressive. has in it on one of the surfaces the name of the author of the book. Oh, wow. <laughs> The The fact that that is there is impressive. Deep cut, Sly Cooper. Deep (laughs) cut. Like, right up until there, I'm like, it's more likely to be a coincidence than a deliberate reference. Yep, I thought so too. But that does it. Mm. So, yeah. I could talk about Torment for a long time. Because (laughs) it's really good. We've only got so much time. I've got wilds to breathe. That's a good point. (laughs) Uh, I love uh, you and I respect your opinion, Jeb. Wrap it up. I'm what trying to, but you keep interrupting me. <laughs> I keep trying to, I keep trying to wrap this up, but every I'm time sorry. I start, it's like he's a good jab. He tries so hard. <laughs> I tried so hard. I got so far. In the end, this game is really great. <laughs> so, 
The console port is buggy. Mm-hmm. Who it do? crashes a lot. I don't care. Nice. It just means I get to do the thing again. <laughs> wow. That's some high praise. That that hits a that is clearly hitting a yeah, very good spot. It's pretty special. And I don't even want I don't even want the thing to, that I did to result to see it try. Well, maybe I should have done this instead. No, I just keep going the way I did. No, I have yet to be. I have yet to. Be, I have yet to be unsatisfied by something in this game. I have yet to do something, see the result, and say, you know. That's not what I was. That's not what I was aiming for. Every time it's no, no. This makes sense. This is good. I can do this. This, this I can live with this. One last thing. One last thing. The system itself, the, the Numenera system, is mm-hmm. really good. It's so good that I went and bought the book after I threw RPG. Wow! <laughs> nice. That is impressive. Awesome. I just wanted to say I'm not sure why that reminded me of it, but one of the best things I found in Breath of the Wild is this particular island you can make your way to. I'm not telling you where. You'll find it. Um, where the the whole theme is you get reset to having nothing again and you can't save while you're doing this trial on the island. It's just full Survivor style and it's fucking awesome. <laughs> Alright, uh, as for myself, I have also played a video game. Um, also, brief shout out before I do to Imperial Settlers, which I played, which is a glorious... Horrifying. Well, Imperial Settlers... <laughs> they just have an awful, awful name. Imperial Settlers is a board game which needs to get shouted at for its name, because it's not about empires, and it's not about settlers, and it's not about settlers of Catan, and it's not about the imperial franchise of games. So, which is great because empires and settlers are both pretty awful. Yeah, from a modern enlightened perspective. So uh, you know, let's not play games about those. Yeah, but in in the case of this game, Imperial Settlers, it is one of those truly crunchy Euro games of. You have you have six turns to play, and uh, you need to convert resources into other resources, and you do it efficiently. And you know, it looks <laughs> like someone made an Asterix Facebook game. <laughs> and oh, don't say it like that. The meeples are like all the little components are beautiful and amazing, and the actual process of working through its system is like, oh, so I'll turn these into a sword, I turn the sword into a deal, I turn the deal into... It, it, it's wonderful to sit there and just fiddle around with the cardboard and watch it all come together. The problem is that everything takes an action, and every action is every player has to pass on it, so even if all you're doing is just very simple things, it's like, seven minutes, okay, that happened, well, you know, that, that happened... Um, so the, just take three hours to play. Yeah, the box says forty-five minutes to ninety minutes. <laughs> it's a lie. They lie. <laughs> it's always a lie. No game ever has the actual playtime printed on the box. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, this this game has um it, this game won a Nessenspiel, which is uh well. which 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 is a big deal. But that means that you can't trust the numbers on the side of the box because they always try to push those down for Nessenspiel games. Yeah. So yeah, they don't want to. They uh-huh. don't want to. Part of the qualifications is it needs to be a game anyone can play. So age restrictions always get pushed way down. Um, like this game says on the side of it, it's for ages 10 plus. <laughs> the hell it is. Good fucking luck. <laughs> 10 year olds can't play this game because they need to be in bed before the last turn, even if you started when they woke up. Um, but the, the timer is. We, we started when the kid was 10 and now they're 35. <laughs> Like, it's basically cute Twilight Imperium without the war, which I'm not sure if that's a recommendation or not. It does sound like a good thing. <laughs> but 
but like Twi- Twilight Imperium's war system is pretty cool. Anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, wait. I've, I missed the Twilight Imperium part of that sentence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's basically cute without the war. Hey, I like this game. <laughs> wait, that started with Twilight Imperium. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> could be worse. Partial like, credits. Could be like the time I mixed up Twilight Imperium with Twilight Struggle. Twilight Struggle being a game about Cold War spies being smuggled across the border. Like, we'll do that, but cute. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. That's, um... I see the visual novel potential in that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I play Night in the Woods. So from one good boy full of enthusiasm <laughs> to another good boy full of enthusiasm. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, look, Jeb and I are always going to have different, different emotional reactions to something. <laughs> right? There are always going to be different textures to this stuff. I completely agree with him on Greg. Greg is great. <laughs> Greg, Greg, is, Greg rules, okay? Greg rules, okay, yeah. No, no. At first I was just joining in on the meme, but now I have genuine and real affection I, for Greg. I, I love that boy. He is the best boy. <laughs> There's a, there is a lot in this game. Like, this game is one of those ones where I'm going to have to wind up sitting down and, like, thinking about it a lot. I have not finished. Um, but there's a lot of... Um, I, you know what? One of the things about this game, it is written by someone who tweets a lot. And I'm not saying that because I know... Yes. The writer does that, but you look at the structure of the conversation, almost every bit of dialogue is tweet-sized. That's not a bad thing or anything like that. It's just it, it gives you a very clear kind of cadence and back and forth to all dialogue between characters because no one says anything mm-hmm. too long or holds attention for too long. There's a lot of crosstalk and a lot of overlap. Not, again, nothing's bad in this. It's just a thing. And that's all pretty true to life as far as conversations go. Yeah, it does also mean that everyone comes across a little bit like irony Twitter, which I think is why I really like Greg because Greg is not being ironic about <laughs> anything. He is... Didn't I tell you how incredibly sincere Greg is? Greg, yeah, Greg is... So I'm not wild about the protagonist at the moment. I've only played, like, you know, the first major section. I worries. I was worried this would be a little too Tumblr to, to warm your cold black heart. Well, it's also there's a lot of experiences this this game wants to draw on that, to give you points of empathy that just don't mm-hmm. work for me because I've never gotten full ah, down yeah. drunk and bathed in a forest. And, like, th- I'm, that- I have. <laughs> I can't say I have either, which I think makes this podcast very statistically rare in Australia. <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's, a, there's a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of Jeb in May, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's, there's also, um, like, even just random things like the discussion of log porn, because this is a thing that happened. People Porn-log. used to hide pornography Porn-log. in the woods. Is that where those jokes come from? People actually used to do that. People used to stash yes. their porn out in the woods. That's the weirdest fucking thing. Yeah, because you couldn't keep it where it might get caught. But it, what this really speaks to me is that they have a terrifying lack of privacy in these cultures. Because <laughs> if I wanted to hide something, I'd just put it somewhere private in my room, and my parents respected that. See, I know you weren't raised by fundies. Anyway... Yeah. <laughs> The point is... In fact, I was drawing porn at that age and just hiding it under my bed. The the, the thing is that this means that the experiences of May don't resonate with me, but I look at characters like Greg, and because they're external to May, I look at Greg as if he is not someone I'm meant to want to... meant to see myself in, but just someone I see. And he sure. is sweet and thoughtful and also thoughtless, but thoughtless in that he doesn't think things through. Thoughtless not, in a sweet way. Not thoughtless in that he doesn't think of other people's feelings. Enthusiastic. Protect, yeah. Protect this good boy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Dear Lord, protect uh, this good boy. 
that protecting things resonates very strongly with Talon. Yeah, and and I like a lot of the stuff it's doing. Uh, its movement is really nice. Fucking, I am a little bit hecked up by how it introduces the triple jump in the introduction, and then it's like, yeah, we're not going to use this forever. It's a platformer. <laughs> it's a platformer. So <laughs> a conversation game. Yeah, it's, it's doing. Dumb. Warming, but it's nothing major. Yeah, they <laughs> they do some stuff, and I I almost I almost feel like that stuff would be best removed. But anyway. I just uh, you know if I'd had a drink, I would have been doing a spit take when you said it's triple a platformer. Jump. What? Yeah, <laughs> triple jump in the what? I thought this was like a visual novel. Mm-hmm. And it and it does use like structurally, it does a lot of the good things I like with good mystery stories. Where for a start, almost no conversation serves one purpose; they all serve multiple purposes at once. Um, almost every bit of the mystery is uncovering who May is, even though May knows, and uncovering what's coming forward. So you've got this two-directional mystery of going backwards and going forwards. That's really good. Um, hmm. But at the same time, the, I have there is a very real risk I will wind up just becoming sick of May um, and not being engaged with the game anymore. And I don't want to make that like, you know, if you like May, you're a bad person or anything. It was just... You know, I, I don't know what it's like to fall it's down sad. vomiting in a forest. <laughs> it sounds less like you dislike me and more like there's nothing for you in being me. Yeah. And, you know, that's fine. I, I certainly don't regret having this game. And I definitely recommend, like, if you, if you, basically, if you follow the maker on Twitter, you're going to love this game. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Night in the Woods, pretty good game. Now it's time for Retro Gaming News. All the news that's fit to print from the year of 1989. Brought to you by Breath of the Wild. You've been waiting 25 years for a Zelda where you can just straight up leave his clothes off. <laughs> 1989. This totally isn't a second take. We're going to talk about the games that came out in 1989, which is if you need your memory jogged. The original Game Boy had just come out. The Power Glove came out. The Sega Mega Drive got its North American release, the Lynx handheld console got its release, and the PC Engine was released in North America as the TurboGrafx-16. Man, you know what was cool? Basically, Those wrist guards that you got for rollerblading, they made you feel like you were wearing superpower gauntlets. I love those. <laughs> and Yes, Jeb? <laughs> Same, 1989 kind of owned. 1989 kind of owned. Now, we're going to go real quick through the game releases, and then we're going to have a special business section. Okay, first up, Atari Games released the first game with filled polygon 3D graphics, physics simulation, and a force feedback steering wheel. Fucking Christ. So some kind of racing game? It was a racing game. All right, I know nothing more than that, I have to say. It was a racing game that was... Pole position? Nope, it was billed as the world's first authentic driving simulation game. It caused a problem in databases because the title had an apostrophe in it. (laughs) We were so naive. We were so naive. Nope. This game served as a template for the PC game's stunt driver and stunts. Is it, um, does the apostrophe oh, mean it's... that it's such and such as game? Like, does nope. it have a celebrity name? No, or... it's just ditching nope. a letter. Because it's, uh... it's cool. Oh, it's... is it dropping a G? Yep. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, driving. You're drifting. Okay, yeah. You're cruising. Got, it's hard driving. Rolling. Ah, okay. Hard driving. I would never have. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> bless you, Fox. That one was for Jeb. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jeb. I I didn't mean to uh, to fill the blank space by just yelling out every car word I could think of. 
without its G. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what you did. That's exactly what you meant. And you actually did it. <laughs> well, I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have a landmark RPG on the Master System. Fantasy Star? Fantasy Star 2. I was going to start naming the protagonist characters just so you could... What are they called in 2? Rolf. Allison. what's some other Alice Brangwen was 4. That's 4. Yeah, 4. Rolf, Ney, Rudolf, Rudo, Steiner. Ooh, wow. (laughs) Amy Sage... Hugh Thompson, Anna Zersky, Josh Kane, and Sheer Gold. <laughs> sure, okay. Yeah, yeah nice. like I almost didn't play four because the first thing you do is load up and find out that your protagonist's name is Chaz. So <laughs> I'm not sure I can stand playing someone called Chaz for 14 hours. Next up, Nintendo America decided to bring over a title from Japan that they were speculating would have use in the Western market. They had to have a fight over its name in the localization. Ooh. Uh, sorry, did we say Nintendo? Nintendo of America. It was an Enix game. Oh. Uh, is this uh, Dragon Warrior 2? This is Dragon Warrior, the first one. They're bringing over the franchise at once, because two games already existed at this point. What was the name fight? Dragon Quest and Dragon Warrior. Ah, okay. <sighs> I can see why there would have been some confusion. Yeah. Uh, also released, Nintendo of America brought out a Game Boy game that introduced an important character to the canon of the franchise she's from. Sure, I like the way that was phrased. Important in quotes. (laughs) Like, she's been around since. Uh, She's named after a flower. You're telling me that Daisy first showed up in a Game Boy game? Yes, Princess Daisy first showed up in Super Mario Land on the Game Boy. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Konami, the Japanese company, released a NES game that was a tie-in with a American media franchise. It was grossly hard. Sorry, Jeff. Say that again? Oh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, yes. It's a Konami game. It's a Konami game. Oh, yeah. I thought it was made by some Western developer who just did not give a shit. Nope. No, it, it was developed by Konami who were like, yes, Americans like this, right? Yeah, this will do. Uh, <laughs> fucking hell. It was... It was... Published by Konami. Ah, okay. It was developed by Ultra, which I believe are British. The Konami code in that game, the Konami code in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games in the NES uh, would refill your health to full one time on a playthrough. Yeah. So even the Konami code wasn't going to save you from the nope. crushing difficulty of the Turtles game. Yeah. Well, the Next only thing up- really hard about that, that was the, the damn level. And your health wasn't the problem in the damn level. I look. I'm gonna say I I got as far as the starting the the uh, is it Bebop or Rocksteady? Yeah, I think it's one of the whichever other. one. Uh, I got as far as starting that. I this is a game which to this day I don't know if we had a shareville version or the full version because <laughs> who got far enough to yeah. tell? <laughs> also, yeah, some of the characters are just flat out worse. Oh crap! Yeah, everyone who's not Donatello. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, we have Sega releasing a game that was so good at doing its job, they named the genre after it for a while. <laughs> now they're known as side-scrolling beat-em-ups. Hmm. Um, it had plane detection problems. Street of Rage, or nope. was it... What Fantasy. Was it? Bare Knuckle originally? Fantasy, Fantasy. style. Yeah. Golden Axe. Golden Axe. Oh, right, okay. As far as I know, sure, the first sure. game you could ride around on a scorpion. There was always something you could ride in Golden Axes. Mm. 
Next up, we have, at the time, gaming's ambitious, hopeful good boy releasing <laughs> a game that was a really cool idea and it worked out pretty decently well uh, and it helped invent the god game genre. Um, oh, Christ. It's Populous 1. <laughs> Nin- say, I'm so bad at, at uh, vintage god games. Yes, this is Bullfrog releasing Populous. <laughs> this is 1989 Pete Molyneux. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so fresh, young so ambitious. young and ambitious. <laughs> Surely he will change the world of gaming forever. Mm-hmm. Lucasfilm Games release a game that is so influential it becomes a game component in other games. You told me there were no more years that where Loom was the answer. No, this is not Loom. No, this is a whole game which is used in other games. Nope. X-Wing vs. Typhon? No, no, no. Way smaller. Way smaller. You're connecting pipes. Oh, Lucasfilm's made Pipe Dream? Yes, Lucasfilm Games released the puzzle game Pipe Mania. Huh. Oh, shit. No, I had no idea they made anything like that. Which is now other games use it as a game in their game. <laughs> Which, saying that they created it is kind of a stretch, because, like, Parker Brothers, I think it was, released that in card game form in the 60s. Yeah. Oh, the card game came first? Yeah. Huh. My parents had it. Oh, It yeah. came with Water- tiny little wrenches. I thought it was the other way around. Was- like, one of my friends oh, yeah. had the Water- Tetris board game. I was saying, it was it was actually really good. <laughs> and again, it came. The, the whole game came in it, like the inset was a bathtub. Like yeah. all the card pieces went into a bathtub, and the very cute. and the you had little metal wrenches like the size of so you put a, on a, the card to fix link. link. Yeah, it was adorable. Anyway, um, <clears throat> Capcom releases a game in quote unquote more countries. Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> more countries. Uh, this is a in sequel. Nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, be like anything. It's Mega Man Two. Yep. Wow, Jeb, you are good. Nintendo releases a game in Japan that stayed in Japan for a good long time because they stole a ton of music. Earthbound. Mother. Well, yeah. That is Earthbound. <laughs> no, Mother 2 is Earthbound. Yeah. If I'm not allowed to call you up on pronunciation, then you're not allowed to call me up on translation. <laughs> yeah, but Mother 2 is Earthbound. Anyway. Um, it's a franchise. Nintendo releases Tetris. Zelda on what platform? Game Boy. Nope. A Zelda or Zelda it's, the original? This game is called Zelda Platform It's On. Famously, it could also tell you the time. It... Uh, okay. And you're going to tell me there's like a Zelda Game & Watch or there something. There is a Zelda Game & Watch, and its title is oh. Zelda Game & Watch. Zelda Game & Watch. <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah, fair enough. Capcom releases... a woo <laughs> <laughs> What do you feel this one, Jeff? No, you go ahead. Please, I'm begging you. <laughs> um, actually, we saw this speed run this year. Yes, you we? did, and it was yeah. really fun because it was a race. And like at the very end, they're like, "Oh no!" Ah, uh, 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 yeah. That, that it's, it's a really good run of the Ducktales. Oh, the first of many Ducktales <laughs> games. Sorry, uh, what series were those games in? Ducktales. Oh, thank you for humoring me on that. It's fine. <laughs> Atari Games releases a game, and I don't know this game. Like, this game is notable not to me. This is what Wikipedia enters. So, <clears throat> it releases a game in arcades, a 3D polygonal vehicle combat racing game. Right? Huh. 
Mm-hmm. And you pilot a futuristic speed bike that can exceed 900 miles per hour through various tunnels and courses with changing environments, hazards, and enemies. The final goal is to reach the ultimate challenge, an endless race filled with surprises, where the player must simply get as far as possible in the allotted time. Markers on the allotted challenge, on the ultimate challenge course, show the names of the five players who have traveled the farthest, who are tracked independently of the game's high score table. <laughs> I don't know. Tron Hell. <laughs> I love it. It sounds pretty badass. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. The game's elaborate cabinet was designed to resemble the craft the player's piloting game. You straddle the bike with the flight yoke style oh. controls immediately in front. Twin triggers fire laser cannons mounted atop the craft, and the start buttons double as the triggers for the Shockwave Smart Bomb weapon. This game was notable for its use of early, high-speed 3D polygonal graphics, and was based on evolutions of the hard drive and hardware. Hard biking. Uh, it's a game called Stun Runner, and Stun has got periods in it, so it's S-T-U-N Runner. So that means it stands for something, right? Not necessarily. Uh- uh, um, you I was one. trying to come up with something funny, but I like my brain is just filling in things that actually work, like you know, super terrain, universal. I, I don't have an N. Nothing. Spread <laughs> tunnel underground yeah. network runner. <laughs> sure. Right, that's so much more entertaining than the one I came up Spread with. Spread tunnel is my OK Cupid profile name. <laughs> <Well, laughs> One day when we're big, someone's going to go back through the archives of the podcast and find all the different OKCupid profile names we supposedly have. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, Hopefully. (laughs) I I should just rotate them through my Twitter account. (laughs) Broaderbund, taking a chance on a developer who has already released a game um, using a similar animation style, takes a chance on someone who wants to make kind of an explorey timed dungeon game. And releases it for the declining Apple II. It's been in development since 1985, so four years of development. Wow. It didn't succeed on the Apple II, but when it got ported to other systems, it turned into a hit. Was this some gauntlet? Nope, not Zork, not gauntlet. It was renowned for an animation style that made it so time-consuming to make. In a dungeon crawly. Not a dungeon crawly, dungeon exploring. Dungeon exploring. Think more platforming. Yeah. Oh. Creatures? uh, Is this... Prince of Persia? Yes, it is. Okay. This is where Prince of Persia came from. Wow. And the higher resolution of the Apple II meant that the animation took fucking forever. It had higher resolution. It had higher resolution huh. than a CGA adapter and an EGA adapter. And it was black and white. Anyway, it, it, it looked okay on the on the Apple II. On the other hand, porting it to Amiga's PCs and eventually the SNES. Sure, there is that. Yep. But yeah, I mean, high resolution, at when you're talking about that, scale of resolution you can actually fit a lot more information Mm. into especially a platform like you can just see more stage yeah so i'm i'm kind of disappointed that it didn't do better (laughs) now it's probably a better game objectively all right now this one's interesting because if i give you the name of the company or the name of the developer or the name of the franchise jeb will get it instantly well go ahead then sim city glorious Fuck me! Uh, you don't have to do any of them! Ahem. <laughs> 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 Fine. <laughs> 
Mr. Showy. <laughs> oh, Canada. <laughs> so who was the developer and what was the company? That would be Will Wright. Yep. With the uh, company called Maxis. Yes. The original Maxis. Um, and you want to you give the anecdote about how SimCity happened? Uh, well, you see, after making Raid on Bungling Bay, uh, Will Wright realized that it, the the uh, tool that he was using to create um, to create cities in it actually had a lot of fun just making cities in it. Yeah. <laughs> so he expanded upon that and made SimCity. Which is like the opposite of Pipe Dream. <laughs> yeah. Next up, we have a group... Okay, so this one this one might be a bit obscure because I know this game primarily because it was shuffled around Australia on three-and-a-half-inch floppies everywhere. Uh, never legally. Um, oh, I was going to say Just Jackrabbit, but that was usually totally legally because... Yeah, shareware. Shareware! Uh, this is a fantasy turn-based strategy game where you have heroes who go out and like take over castles and recruit dragons and, and soldiers and whatnot. Are, are they heroes of, of might and magic? No! No, it's not is a heroes of might and magic. No, it was a game called Warlords. Huh. Okay. No, I've never heard of this. Despite normally being a PC gamer in Australia from this era. What was it, Jim? I was saying, I played Warlords 2, I think? Yeah, Warlords 2 came out, and it was it was a much better distributed game. But for a brief period, there, it might have been just through the church networks, because everyone I knew, whenever we visited a new church, they always had that game. Oh, you wicked pirating church bastards. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now... Here we have. Here we get to get to do uh, fun trivia. This is the this is the answer to the to the trivia question. What was probably the earliest real time strategy game? Herzog's Vey. Mm. Yeah, it's Herzog's Vey from Technosoft. The uh, the usual answer that people will give is Dune. You realize that I you realize I have been waiting seventy eight episodes. <laughs> so we can talk about Herzog's Vey. <laughs> <laughs> this is the illusion of the future. This is the time we spend to do the things we think that matter. This is Herzog. Ver- sorry, Werner Herzog's way. I think we've already made that joke. We have. Holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> How did we yeah. make a Werner Herzog joke twice? Have you got re-release? Well, you see. Well, you see. <laughs> the Herzog way. In the end, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> no matter how hard you try, no matter how far you go. So, Herzog's Eye was a top-down semi-shooter where you commanded units. Like, you you had a crosshair and you could move it over your units and just click on, you know, press the button and they're like, okay, I'll follow you. So you could take your units around, but you had to literally, you know, pilot to the location you wanted to drop them off. And then they would mill around and do stuff in that area. And it was designed um, by uh, Technosoft in Japan and it was made with a, um, it was it was made just to be a sequel to Herzog. They didn't know what Herzog meant. So Herzog's Y literally means Duke 2. So Duke Nukem is a sequel, I guess? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Werner Herzog Nukem. <laughs> oh my. Hail to the king, baby. <laughs> Next up, we have the final NES installment of the Castlevania franchise. That would be Castlevania 3. Yes. Dracula's Curse. I'm not going to try and act like I know anything about this. <laughs> this is the one, the first Castlevania game where you had different characters. Ah, it's also the one where apparently the Wikipedia entry on trivia helpfully tells you that it was inspired in part by the work of Ray Harryhausen. 
I mean, well, I that's, mean that's true. It, there were monsters in it. Yeah, it's <laughs> just... It, Castlevania. That's a bit... That Surely, surely, like, you need to be told that, I guess. Yeah, you would. Someone, someone wouldn't already know that. Jip, jip, jip. Uh, rewind. Yep. The first one where you have multiple characters. Is this the one with the spear guy? No. No, okay. This is the one that... Well, first of all, it's the one that introduced Alucard. Uh-huh. Uh, the the characters here. Uh, actually, I think Grant appears in the later game too, and probably Sylph. I think her name is Sylpha Sypha. I think all of them appear in a later game. <laughs> no but, idea. Uh, all three of the all three of the, these characters appear as bosses in the game, and when you beat them, you can actually play as them. And it's also the first Castlevania with different paths you can take through Dracula's castle. That's the awesome. first one that does yeah. that. Wow! So that's the one that really defined the the Metroidvania idea, like the the idea that Castlevania no, wasn't necessarily no. linear. Generally speaking, people Castlevania people hail. Oh, see, I, well, I understood the one that people. Symphony. Yeah, Symphony people of the Night. People point to Symphony of the Night because it was good. <laughs> I see. <laughs> right, but all right, Castlevania so. Two was 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 a was a exploratory platformer. It sucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, that does definitely have something to do with being genre-defining. Like, you couldn't be the first game to really do a thing, but if you sucked at it, you're probably not going to get the genre named after you. Next up, we have a unlicensed version of a video game that gets re- gets recalled due to a lawsuit. <gasps> Tetris? Yes, it's Tetris. But I was going to say, you get a point if you can tell me who sued who. Oh, I should know this. Who the yes, fuck Jeff? didn't sue Tengen? Yes, it was Tengen who got sued. That's their name, yeah. And it was Nintendo. Nintendo sued Tengen. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there one where Tengen sued someone else? Just like, you know, hey, we're going to say that you took our idea. How do you like them apples? Well, you've just taken the twist out of the business section. Because where this lawsuit started <laughs> oh, no! was Tengen tried to sue Nintendo <laughs> over antitrust violations. And in response, mm-hmm. Nintendo countersued saying, you're stealing our shit. And Tengen was like, yes, <laughs> but. <laughs> but. In because- our defense. <laughs> Tengen's defense. Tengen's defense. You see, Tengen's defense basically went like this. First of all, how dare you? Second of all, who in the fuck do you think you are? And unfortunately, it was unfortunately unfortunately it was 1989. That meme hadn't been invented yet, so that <laughs> the the thing I love about this is that the antitrust suit relied on them telling the court, "Well, we have this Tetris game, and they have this Tetris game, and they're the same game, and they're doing things to make our version harder to sell." No! And then Nintendo were like, "Yeah, they stole our game," and the courts are like, "Yeah, I guess you did, didn't you?" <laughs> Tengen's like, "Well." <laughs> I came here to have fun. <laughs> There's that wonderful moment of, of, like, you know, when you've got a pair of kids and one of them's like, you know... Uh, he had his eyes open during prayer. <laughs> that's a good one. Never came up for us, funnily enough, yeah, but, but I, I think that's a perfect example. <laughs> mm, yes. Uh, Tengen, Tengen and Nintendo, it's like... It's like there's two kids. Though the one kid goes and says, go, goes up to the goes up to their parent and says, my, my, my sibling took 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 my cookie. And then the parent looks and says, nobody was supposed to have any cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Did you steal a cookie? Uh, uh, um, shit! How dare you! <laughs> Next up, I, I, I love Tengen for being so fucking audacious. Yeah. 
and, and and they the the later Tengen maneuvers like releasing three versions of the same game at the same time just before Christmas, so Nintendo had no shelf space for their version of the same game. It's like a colossal dick move. They have total shit heels who turn out some interesting games now and then. Yeah. Um, next up, we have two fairly obscure names or two of the most overknown, like, ridiculously widely known video games, so, so much so that people often don't even think of them as video games, because they were bundled with an operating system. Minesweeper and Solitaire. Jeb got this. That was going to be my guess, but... Yeah. We have a British company releasing a difficult platformer on the Amiga, and it was enough of a draw that it's helped sales of the computer. Is it a silly bullshit one? Not silly bullshit, honestly. This one wanted to be kind of metal and okay, taken so seriously. So no eggs present. No eggs, no. This has nothing to do with any dizzy. <laughs> it's not Jet Set Willy. Nope. The developer in question was Stignosis. Does that ring a bell? Did these platforms eventually make their way to other platforms? Yeah, they did, uh, particularly the arcade. One of the, and, and it, this platformer wound up being an absolute coin muncher. It's, uh, it's not what I thought it was. You say Stignosis, and I want to say... Uh, I want to say Jane's Pond. No, but no, that's not, not silly. right. And he was never arcadey. No. Anyway. Uh, it was developed by Reflections and published by Cygnosis. Uh, it was later ported to a whole bunch of other series systems. It had numerous colors on screen and parallax scrolling because they did a pretty good job on the memory handling. Uh, it had a sequel in 1990, another sequel in 1993, and a remake was released last year on the PlayStation 4 in May. <laughs> Um, oh, it oh, was, oh, 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 yes. oh, 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 it's, 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 Shadow of the Beast. Shadow of the Beast, yes. When I was a wee little kid, I thought Shadow of the Comet was a sequel to Shadow of the Beast. Shadow oh. of the Comet is a point-and-click adventure game set in a Lovecraft town. Yikes. <laughs> I, I was deeply confused. <laughs> I just wanted to be the wolfman and punch things. I haven't heard of any of these things. All right. Now, the, the legal... The, uh, the, 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 the the PS4 like remake of Shadow of the Beast is fucking weird. <laughs> the original thing was basically a, a, an airbrushed painting on the side of a van come to come to a game experience. All right, I'm listening. <laughs> yeah, you like the opening is you land and immediately turn into a werewolf. <laughs> Go punch things. All right. The, the PS4 remake has you has you uh, like uh, 2D God of War. Oh jeez, no. <laughs> Blood spikes to rescue Home. a baby? Okay, fine. That's not your baby? To be fair, that's about your the level of plot coherence we expected from this particular airbrush monstrosity. Yeah. All right, it now. It gets really strange when someone kidnaps a baby and you go and save it just because. Well, to be fair, baby. You don't need a reason to save a baby. Baby kidnappers are dicks. All right, now. Here are, here are the weirdnesses in business. Okay, but, but here's the thing you didn't need a reason to. Go murder the person who used to, who enslaved you. You didn't True. need the motivation of also they kidnapped a baby. No, oh, absolutely. We didn't mention that part. Yeah, I, I, that's pretty uh, weird. There's a lot. There, there's a lot going on there. It's a strange place. So there were at this point there were five. Sorry, yeah, yeah, five major incidents in gaming business. Now one of them was Tangan and Nintendo. Over Tetris. Yeah, huh? Awkward. Flat fight. <laughs> yeah. Now, here's another one of them. A 
company that is currently renowned mostly for tabletop games bought part of a leather company. Oh, Coleco. Yes, yes. Coleco was bought in part, not totally, by Hasbro. Oh. Hasbro currently owns a chunk of Coleco. Oh, that is interesting. Is this when they made the ColecoVision? This is bef- this is after they made the ColecoVision. Oh, okay. Well after. This, th- that's why Coleco was for sale. <laughs> ah. It's what, the Connecticut Leather Company? Uh, yes. Yeah. The uh, Coleco did not handle the, the post-ColecoVision years well. I think they had a, a brief run in board games. Mm, it didn't go well. <laughs> I guess that explains why Hasbro wanted to acquire them. Yeah. They probably just had an IP or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, you may remember a couple of years ago, I spoke kindly of a company called the Toy Headquarters. And, you know, how it was kind of mm-hmm. sad that they left because THQ, they, they were. Yeah. Yeah. Because I thought THQ were a pretty good company and I thought they had a pretty good set of, you know, they uh-huh. were generally nice people. Mm-hmm. This is when they were founded. Uh huh. They weren't uh-huh. called THQ to start with. Uh-huh. Do you want to take a guess at what their name was? <laughs> No, because I know that they they were they started off in publishing board games, and it's kind of hilarious because they did shit like the Home Alone Two, a Lost in New York board game. Oh, have you maybe seen a lot of these lately in your vintage board game uh, slumming? Those are not slums. <laughs> that shit is fucking amazing because none of that garbage made it here. All the no, no. like, we got occasional tie-ins for the biggest. Like the absolute biggest movies. Yeah, um, I own a, I own a stuff. Co- I now own I now own a physical copy of the Zaxxon board game. <laughs> but yeah, the the amount of tie-in shit that was made fucking astounds me in retrospect. I had well, no idea. Here's the thing: THQ as THQ started on board games. Oh yeah, I was going to ask if you could hint at their previous name. They sound like a movie villain. <laughs> THQ, that lovable group of board game making scamsters, and the people behind the Saints Row franchise were originally Trinity Acquisitions Corporation. Oh, I, I thought you meant like a you know cartoon movie villain no. kind of thing, <laughs> like an actual like evil corporate overlord type villain. Didn't they fight Robocop? <laughs> Didn't they make Robocop? <laughs> All right, uh, we have we have now two more slap fights with Nintendo. Uh, one of these will be with Universal, right? No, no. This is not with Universal. Oh, this is post that, isn't it? Well before that, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is post-Universal. Yeah. But they did get into a slap fight with a big with, with smaller companies. They did that a lot. Yeah. Was it Still over uh, similarities or... Like- was it, wait, wait, wait. Was this the one over the porn? Was this the one over the porn? No, but one of them was Tengen Damn. style because they sued Tengen a second time. So, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Tengen infringed many times. <laughs> there was this lawsuit over um, the antitrust of Tetris, Robert? which turned into ousting Tetris, and then there was just Nintendo turning up to the courts and saying, they keep copying all our shit. <laughs> Tengen lost both times. You're going to do anything about this, guys? <laughs> Apparently not. But... Also, You're saying they, Tengen lost both times and they just kept making the game? They just kept doing it? <laughs> Fucking Tengen. Uh, corporate penalties are not high enough and they never have been. <laughs> have you considered a fuck you? No? How about <laughs> fuck you? Well, this, this is one where Nintendo... The second Tengen lawsuit was just over the fact that they were releasing games without going through Nintendo's vetting process, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and they still lost that lawsuit, wow. and then they were reacted like, like oh, but fuck it, it, we'll pay a fine. fucking stop. 
Boo hoo. The the fine is actually less than the cost it would take to go through all of your bullshit. And that one actually, yeah. Like in that one I can have some sympathy for Tengen. And we still get to keep we still get to keep our really cool Oh yeah, I love I love Tengen. <laughs> I love Tengen. And not just because they made RBI baseball. Nah, come on, one more. Alright, we got one more. And this is Nintendo suing someone over claims of patent violation. Patent? Patent violation. Yep. And Nintendo lost. Controller? Not a controller, but you're close. An actual console? It no, no. Oh, is it a Game Boy clone? Because they just made the original Game Boy. No, no, no. It is it does, however, start with the word game. Yeah. Uh the game card. The cartridge. It was the game genie! The game genie! The claim was that because oh, wow. the Game Genie used another cart to access the Nintendo Entertainment System, yeah. it ah. was violating their patent on the encryption of the, that let you let them control the cart. This is bullshit, obviously. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they lost, and they lost hard. Well, that's fair. Come in them all, Nintendo, because sometimes you're the dick. Now, that was 1989. And that was another episode of the Downloadable Concept Podcast. Thank you very much for enjoying it, the listener. Assuming you enjoyed it. Four more weeks. Four more weeks. Four more weeks. If you didn't enjoy it, well, fuck you. If eh? you didn't enjoy it, uh, (laughs) tell us what you'd like to hear. Hmm. Because we're actually open to suggestions. If you didn't enjoy it, you probably didn't listen this long. (laughs) Also true. Just wait for the stinger. Um, But yes, this podcast was made possible in part thanks to the contribution of the listener like you on Patreon. Please feel free to go and have a look and patronize us. If you don't, that's okay. We intend to make sure this podcast is always available for free unless, I don't know, some really weird person offers us billions of dollars to hide the archive forever in a New Mexico desert, in which case, sorry, but money. Oh, we... Uh, get sued for patent violations. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying Jeb works with with um, Tengen cartridges, but I'm not denying it either. <laughs> it's a distinct possibility. Nonetheless, that was Jeb. That was Fox. And there she goes to play Breath of the Wild. So, uh, this was Talon. Later, nerds! <laughs> Stay tuned next week when we'll find out if Tengen has copied our podcast for their own clever uses. Yeah, we've been recording. We've got 10 minutes. You can start whenever. Yeah, but I'm not going to start without saying, like, hey, are you guys ready to actually start now? <laughs> yeah, springing it on the other players, uh, on the other podcasters. What kind of dick would do that? <laughs> hey, fuckers, it's go time! <laughs> I wasn't... Oh, no, I can't ready. make joke without being taken seriously. That's a great way to do it, though! <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying I should just start with, hey, fuckers, it's go time.